Gospel of John, chapter 10. Gospel of John, chapter 10. In verse 10. If you will, please stand for the reading of the word. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray right now for everyone here that Lord, you'll minister to them and touch their hearts through your word. Lord, through your Holy Spirit, I'm nothing, and Lord, my words profit nothing. So send your Holy Spirit, I pray right now. And Lord, I pray that you minister to the hearts of your people and open their hearts to what you'd have them to hear and ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Jesus said the thief comes for three purposes, to steal and to kill and to destroy. And he's been very successful at that ever since he deceived Eve in the garden and Adam chose to follow along. And since then the world as a whole has entered into destruction and has followed wholeheartedly Satan and his deceptions. We're blinded to the fact that this life is but for a brief moment and we only have a short span of time down here on earth to make our salvation sure and steadfast. And we have a choice in this life, either to indulge in the pleasures that Satan lays before us, and he will lay them before you, or to choose the abundant life. Christ said, I am come that you might have life and life more abundant. And I want to talk about that abundant life for a few minutes tonight. And we think of serving Christ and serving the Lord, that uh, our problems all go away, that our prayers all get answered, and, and everything is just hunky-dory from the time we begin serving the Lord until we enter into glory. But let me tell you something, and I'm sure most of you have already figured this out, that we go through some things as believers. We go through some trials. We go through some troubles. And sometimes we'll cry out to the Lord for a prayer. And sometimes those prayers don't get answered. Or maybe he says no. But God has a higher purpose in this life than us being happy all the time. And that's what we need to set in our hearts and we need to set our goal not on the things of this life, but on things eternal. As the scriptures say, we shouldn't look at the things in the here and now, but we should look at eternal things and focus on the work that God is doing in each one of us. Amen. 
We have a calling not to be happy, not to walk around jumping with joy from day to day, but our calling is to be Christ-like. Amen. I don't know if you realize it, but y'all are very wealthy. Amen. Jesus spake of that. He said, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where thieves can break in and steal, where moth and rust can corrupt, but lay up treasures in heaven. There's rich men that lose sleep and worry about the stock market. They worry about their investments. But, you know, when you don't have much in this life, you can rest good at night. You can rest peacefully at night if your treasure's in heaven and maybe your treasures aren't down here on earth. And God doesn't have a problem with us having some treasure down here on earth laying up some funds for retirement laying up some things for you kids matter of fact paul said that the parents ought to lay up for the children not the children for the parents but our true treasure our true treasures are in christ amen the only thing of value down here on earth is Christ in you. And as soon as we get that vision, as soon as we understand that our calling in life isn't to accumulate wealth, it isn't to have bigger houses or more cars, but our calling in this life is to lay up treasure in heaven, amen, and to be uh, have Christ manifest within these earthen vessels and for Christ to live and move and become the Lord of our life, not just some uh, deity sitting on a throne in heaven, but sitting on the throne of your heart, amen, and living through you and through me. And as we do this, as we do this, we truly set Christ as our Lord. Amen. Let's turn to Second Peter. I've got a lot of scriptures tonight. Second Peter chapter 1. But I want you to understand that I'm not making this stuff up. I trust you'd believe that anyway. <laughs> but y'all don't know me that well. Well, some of you do. Crystal and Sister Ella Jane and Marcy, y'all been knowing, been knowing us quite a while. But Second Peter chapter 1 and starting in verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them who have obtained like precious faith, faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. According as His divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that called us to glory and virtue, whereby for this reason are given to us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of what? The divine nature. Amen. See, the promises of God 
or that you are called to become partakers of the divine nature, the nature, the very nature of Christ. Amen. Not that we're to be worshipped in any way, shape, or form. All our glory goes to Jesus Christ because it's the only way that we'll ever Man, uh, manifests that divine nature as if Christ is living inside of you because our righteousness is as filthy rags. There's no good thing within this flesh. And God has chosen for it to, to uh, be this way that Christ would be glorified, that Christ would be the one that would manifest himself through these earthen vessels, through each and every one of you. And I want you to realize the, the privilege that's been given to each and every one of you that God has chosen you not just to wash away your sins, which is very important, it's critical, and we could not be saved without the blood of Jesus, but you've also been chosen to receive Christ into your life. The very creator of the universe has has come to live on the inside of you and live on the inside of me and walk in victory just like he did 2,000 years ago. Amen. Too many Christians think, well, I've went to the altar, I've repented, and so now I'm good. I'm good for all eternity now. No, the altar is your starting point, church. That's where we begin our journey. Amen. But it's not the end of our journey. And I want to give you an example. I'm not a very smart guy. Y'all haven't known me very long, but probably by the end of this message, you'll probably be saying amen, brother. But I'm not a very intelligent guy. But if somebody walks up to me and slaps me, <clears throat> and tells me I'm sorry. Well, I'll forgive them. Yeah, sure. That's fine. Everybody has a bad day. And then they walk up to me and slap me again and say they're sorry. Okay, well, I'll forgive you again. Then they walk up to me again and slap me. And they keep doing it, keep saying they're sorry. I'm not the brightest guy, I'm not the brightest tool in the shed, but sooner or later I'm going to think, you know, maybe he's really not sorry. <laughs> Why do we think God is any different? If we continue in sin and keep saying we're sorry, but we keep doing the same thing. See, repentance is more than just being sorry for your sin. Repentance also means doing an about face and walking in a different direction. Living your life a different way. There's two parts to, to repentance. It's being sorry for your sins, and that is an important part, but we also need to begin walking in newness of life. The scriptures say we're buried with him by baptism into death. That as Christ was raised from the dead, so also we should walk in newness of life. Amen. And I want to just touch on this real quick. Um, 
You know, baptism in water, uh, the scriptures say, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And, and all the apostles uh, baptized believers in water. And often wondered, well, why, why is that important? Why is that important? Well, Jesus gave us a couple of examples. He said, you're made clean through the word that I've spoken unto you. And then he also said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Amen. And what's that water, living water speaking of? It's speaking of the word of God that will flow from us and through us if we tap into the throne of God. Amen. Paul also wrote that you're cleansed by the washing of water by the word of God. Amen. So he puts the two together, the, the living water and the word of God. And what baptism in water represents is being buried, the old man being buried by what? The Word of God. Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. And that we need to drive that point home, church, that it needs to be Yet not I, that I don't live anymore, that Christ now lives within me in the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Amen. It's not me living is what Paul said, but it's Christ in me. Christ needs to live within you. Amen. For us to be successful in our Christian walk down here on earth. Amen. So Peter said... We're given exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. Amen. <clears throat> See, we've been given a wonderful gift, Jesus Christ, the sacrifice for our sins. Do you realize that Christ could have been sacrificed for sins at a year old? And he would have been a perfect sacrifice. God told Moses, take a lamb, one year old, without spot and without blemish. And that will be the sacrifice for your sins. And Christ could have been sacrificed at a year old. And it would have been an adequate sacrifice for sins. But God has a little bit more in store for you and for me, than just the washing of the blood. It's also the life is important. Amen. He wants Christ to live within us. And for Christ to live within us, he needed to be tempted in all points, like as we are, yet without sin. Amen. He had to go through the troubles and trials of a mature adult, the temptations of an adult. adult. He had to go through the sorrows and the afflictions and all the things that we do as adults. And he was tempted in all points in the same manner as you and I are. A baby could not have been tempted in that manner. Amen. So the life of Christ is also important. Amen. And the same Jesus, amen, that lived 2,000 years ago 
and yet did not sin now has come to live within you and within me and he can walk in you and talk in you and as we follow him we can walk free from sin free from the bondage that Satan has held us entangled with for years and years amen it's a matter of of yielding to the Spirit of God that's been entrusted to us so that we can become partakers of the divine nature. Let's turn to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. <clears throat> Starting in verse 9, <clears throat> and Paul wrote here, he said, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might walk that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work. And increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness. Amen. What does that sound like? It sounds like Christ living within us. Amen. Let's read that again, real quick. Verse 10, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness. Christ in you. Christ being revealed within you is your calling. Why does he say many are called but few are chosen? Because few choose to yield to the Lord totally and completely. In church, we have to yield to him totally and completely. We have to allow him to set up his kingdom within us. He said, my sheep hear my voice. And a stranger they won't follow. What does that mean? Well, it changes our viewing habits on the internet. It changes our viewing habits on TV. It changes the things we watch. It changes the things we think about, church. Amen. And Christ dealt with some of these things. He certainly did. Let's turn to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. <clears throat> and starting in verse 1.
what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He had two words to say for that. God forbid. God forbid. We have to stop sinning, church. We have to lay down the desires of the flesh. And I've heard people say, well, you know, long as we're in this flesh, we're going to keep sinning. Let me ask you something. Do you believe the Word of God? We need to believe the Word of God. Well, I challenge you to show me where that is in the Word of God because I don't see it. Amen. And if we judge ourselves by ourselves, we're not wise. Amen. And God doesn't expect something of us that He doesn't give us the tools and the ability to accomplish. Amen. And He's given us the power, the same Jesus that resisted Satan 2,000 years ago now lives within us. Amen. And He can, but we have to learn to listen to His voice. How do you do that? How do you listen to the voice of the Lord? Well, first thing we need to do is we need to know His Word. We need to know it inside and out. And if we're not spending every day in the Word of God, we need to. I want to encourage you to not only uh, read the Word, word of God, uh, but to devour it. Amen. To consume the Word of God, just like you do your natural food. David even said, I desire your precepts more than my necessary food. Think about how much time you spend eating your natural food. Now, you fast eaters don't count. I'm talking about you people that love to savor your food. I take 30 minutes at each meal probably because I love to take my time. I had some friends I went to school with. If, if his mom would have allowed him to have two farts, he had two farts because he's just sitting there. I, I would like, look at that. He... I wouldn't even have my second bite down before he'd finished his plate. But we need to spend some serious time in the Word, church. Not a passive knowledge, but a thorough knowledge of the Word of God. Study to show yourself approved. When Christ fought Satan, what did he do? When Satan tempted him, what did he combat Satan with? The Word of God. Amen. Christ didn't say when... Satan said, uh, make these stones into bread. He didn't say, wait a minute, let me get my concordance out. Uh, I know there's a word in here somewhere. I'm going to check through it. He had that word ready immediately. Amen. And he combated Satan with the spirit of the sword. Amen. The, this, the word of God is sharper and more powerful, it's quick and powerful, alive and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing asunder the joints and the marrow and the soul and the spirit. The Word of God is alive, church. He said, heaven and earth's going to pass away. My Word will not pass away. Amen. That's how important the Word is. It's by His Word the worlds were formed. It's by His Word all the creation was made. Do you think the Word of God is powerful? It is more than powerful. As a matter of fact, there's a psalm that says he honors his Word above his name. Amen. Church, we need to devour this Word of God. 
And when Satan comes against us, we need to be ready. Be ready with that sword. Amen. Be prepared. And as we consume and devour the word of God, it becomes part of us. Jesus was what? In the Gospel of John, chapter 1, you can read about it. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And then just a few verses down, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Amen. He was the Word of God. As a matter of fact, you can read in the book of Revelations, He's still called the Word of God. Amen. We're to be living epistles, known and read of all men. Amen. That word, we need to become the word. I've had two visions in my life, and this is literal visions. And I feel led to share them tonight, and they happened a long time ago, too. But they're still relevant for today. The first vision I had, I saw myself from the neck down. No head. Wasn't cut off. That's all I could see was just the neck down. And you may think, well, how do you know it was you? Because I had an ugly green shirt at the time that had some white trim, and nobody else would buy one of those shirts. If they did, they wouldn't wear it outside of their house. And I had one of those shirts, and I would go jotting around with it. Well, I saw myself wearing that shirt, and the Lord said, I'm going to put that ugly shirt on him in this vision. So he did. And I saw myself from the neck down, no head. It might have been up there, but I couldn't see it. And I was kind of scratching my head. Well, what in the world does that mean? And I was praying at a church service. And the next thing I saw was an open Bible. And he said, you need to lose your mind and replace it with my word. And that has ministered to me, that was 40-some years ago. And to this day, it still ministers to me. Amen. That we need to think according to the Scriptures. We need to stop thinking according to the ways of the flesh and start thinking according to the Word of God. The second vision I had was of a tree. It looked like an apple tree. And I saw this tree... And it was a healthy tree. had nice green leaves and nice plump fruit every so often. And if I owned that apple tree and I was an apple farmer, I'd have been real happy with that tree because it had fruit just, you know, scattered around. You saw a lot of leaves and a lot of fruit. And that was a vision. And I just saw it. I said, Wow. And the Lord spoke to me, and he said, that's where you're at right now. I thought, oh, you, you must, you're one lucky God, I can tell you that. No, I didn't think that. I was, I was kidding there. No, I thought, well, Lord, you must be pleased with me. I'm bearing some fruit. But he gave me a second vision. And in the second vision, I saw that same tree. And it had so much fruit on it. You couldn't even see any green leaves. You couldn't bear you could barely even see the trunk on it. It was just fruit just everywhere on it. And he said, That's where I want you to be. 
where when men look at you, they no longer see the tree. They no longer see the man, but they see Christ in you. That's our challenge, church. Amen. To get so much of God, so much of Christ, so much of the Word of God, that when people look at us, all they see is the Son of God. All they see is Jesus Christ. Amen. What wealth, what treasure we would have. Amen. Wealth beyond measure. Y'all are all millionaires. No, I take it back. Y'all are all billionaires. You have wealth beyond compare. God gave you His only begotten Son. For God so loved you that He gave you His only begotten Son so that we could be saved, so that we could be cleansed of our sins, so that we could walk in victory. He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Amen. What a treasure has been given to each and every one of you. Christ said, if any man will obey me, I and my Father will come and make our abode within them. That's God the Father and God the Son. Living on the inside of you. What a treasure. Christ, when he was in the garden, he prayed to the Father and said, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. And I thank God that his prayer didn't end there because his Father would have let his cup pass from him. But he said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Why did Christ pray that prayer? He prayed it for you and for me. I wish we could all get a vision of what Christ endured for us. And I've studied this, and the Roman scourging was so severe that they would take a whip, often with about six strands of leather, and they'd tie glass, and they'd tie sharp rocks into it, or metal, and every time they would strike the back of those victims, it would dig into their flesh and they would yank back on it. And historians have said oftentimes the prisoners would die from the scourging before they ever made it to be crucified. And the soldiers would beat them to the point they became very skilled in beating them to the point to where they would survive long enough to be crucified. That's what Christ endured for you and I. He had that crown of thorns, and it's not those little stickers that you see in the woods that are about a quarter inch long, and you say, ouch. No, these, these were spikes from an inch to an inch and a half long. They grow in Lebanon, and they're poisonous. And when they took that crown of thorns and they pushed it into his scalp, his, that poison began to flow into his brain. It began to itch and, and it began to, to hurt and began to infect his skull. 
He was spit upon. They yanked the very beard out from his face. His hair was yanked. They beat him with fists, blindfolded, and said, Prophesy, who hit you? He suffered the judgment of God for you and I. And then after all this, he was laid down on an old rough wooden cross. It wasn't sanded. It wasn't smooth. It was rough. It had splinters. And every time he'd lift himself up after he was crucified, splinters would go into those open wounds. That's what he endured for you, church. Let's not gloss this over. I want you to know and understand what Christ did for each one of us. Not my will, but your will be done. When the soldiers came to take Jesus, Peter whipped out his sword and he struck off Malchus's ear. And the Lord turned to him and said, Peter, put your sword up into its sheath. He said, don't you know that right now I could call on the Father and it'd send 12 legions of angels? A legion is 6,000. 72,000 angels. No, he said, He'd send more than 12 legions of angels. You know how many angels it takes to bind Satan? I'll give you a hint. You read it in the book of Revelation. He said, Peter, put your sword up into its sheath. Don't you know that I can call on the Father and he'd send 12 legions of angels? But it didn't end there. He said, but how would the scriptures be fulfilled? His goal was fulfilling the Scriptures. Our goal needs to be fulfilling the Scriptures, church. Amen. That needs to not just be your primary goal. That needs to be your only goal. And if you're fulfilling the Scriptures, you're going to do a good job at work. You're going to be a good neighbor. Amen. You're going to be a good citizen. You're going to check all the boxes because God checks all the boxes. Amen. But our primary focus, our main focus, and I'll even say our only focus, needs to be on fulfilling the Word of God. Christ had His mindset from the beginning of His walk. He said, I only speak that which I hear my Father. Where would we be as believers if the only time we said anything was when we heard from God? And there was times He ignored people. Think of the woman caught in adultery. They kept asking him and asking him. And finally, I guess the Lord said, you know, his father gave him something to say. He was without sin among you. Let him cast the first stone. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew 5, verse 27 and 28. <clears throat> You've heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. In other words, what we think is not just what we do, but what we think is important, church. 
Amen. He's saying we can't even think that way. Amen. We've got to get this mind under subjection. In 1 John 3.15, he says, Whosoever hates his brother is a murderer. He puts the same level of guilt on somebody that hates his brother as somebody that commits the act. The way we think is important. How do we come under the mighty hand of God? Well, I'll tell you how we do it. It's by submitting to Christ because he's given us power over all the powers of the enemy. Amen. He said, uh, behold, I give unto you power over all the powers of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. Be, you'll tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the powers of the enemy. Amen. He's given us this power because it's Christ in us. It's Christ in us. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 3, verses 3 through 5, and we'll close with this. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Amen. It's in the flesh and battle war. Flesh and blood war, I should say. It's not a fleshly battle. It's a spiritual battle. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And look at what he wants us to do. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Bringing our very thoughts into captivity, and you can do that. We can do this, church. Amen. This is what God, this is your gift to God, from God, brother. This is what He has entrusted us with, the power and the authority that He's entrusted us with, and we can do this. We can't do it on our own, but Christ in you, you can accomplish it. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. I remember when Christ was speaking to the woman at the well and she said, well, you say it's in Jerusalem we ought to worship. And we say, we've got this mountain in Samaria that we worship at. What? She wanted him to get into the debate. And he said, woman, the hour comes and now is that the true worshipers of the Father will worship him in spirit and in truth. What's truth? Thy word is truth. 
Do you know that the highest form of worship is your obedience? He doesn't want to hear from you. If you're walking in willing sin, it's just like the guy who keeps slapping me and keeps saying he's sorry. And dumb old me, I believe him. Okay, okay, okay. But our all-wise God, He knows when we're sincere. And we can't just keep indulging ourselves in sin and sinful behavior and expect Him to just say, hey, it's okay. When He's given us the power to overcome and to be victorious. But it takes some dedication on our part. Amen. It takes a few verbs. We've got to study. He said, pray that you enter not into temptation. We need to spend some time in prayer. As a matter of fact, he said, my house shall be called of all nations a house of prayer. And was he talking about a building? Uh, the buildings are important, but this is the real house. You're the house of God. You're the temple of the living God. Amen. You're the temple of God. Think about the exaltation that's been given to you. I love what Brother Roop said this morning when he said that you're kings and priests. Amen. Kings and priests. You're ministers in the house of God. One thought, and then we'll close. And Crystal and Marcy, could you come to the musical instruments? David said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. Do you realize that you're doorkeepers of the house of God? Amen.